If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to Heal Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stangle. Hello. Hi. How's it going? How's your day going? It's going fine. How about yours? A little better than expected. We're recording this on a non-traditional day. Normally, this particular day of the week for me is the worst ever always. So the fact that it's not is good. That's good. But it's normally just trash all the time. (sighs) I feel that. Right? Before we get started, I wanted to shout out our returning patron, Shinifer. She came back and just wanted to say, welcome back. Oh, thanks. Thank you for your continued support of the show. That's really awesome. One thing, too, that I wanted to call out. So I started following the Yield Crime Out of Context on Mm -hmm. Twitter because I refuse to call it anything else. It's Twitter. Mm -hmm. Screw you, guy. And they fangirled. And I was like, oh, no, I'm never on here. But thank you. (laughs) Like That's great. But I hope you don't expect a lot from me because... You're the social butterfly on social networks, and I, like, I don't think I've posted on Instagram myself in over a year, so. Yeah. It's, I usually come in and I'm like, steak, <laughs> and then I leave. <laughs> pop in, pop yeah. in and out. Yeah. So, whoever you are, you make me chuckle with reading whatever stupid stuff we say back to us, so thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. So this is week two of birthday month, and this week's topic, as picked by Maddie, is orificial surgery. Yep, forgot about it. (laughs) Information was pulled from the following sources. 2018 Atlas Obscura article by Natasha Frost. 1914 The Journal of the American Association of Orificial Surgeons. 1898 The Los Angeles Times article. 1893 Kansas Farmer article, 1891 Proceedings of the Fourth Quinquennial Session of the International Homeopathic Congress, three find a grave listings, genie.com, homeopathy, orificial surgery, and the clitoris in the United States, 1880 to 1920, an eclectic approach by Marion Holverscheidt, Castle and Zurich, I apologize if I said your names wrong, Lost Colleges, and Wikipedia. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube, 
Click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. My brain is still stuck on the, what was it, quin, quintennial? Quinquennial. Quinquennial. I don't know what that means. I don't either. But as soon as you said it, I was like, my brain was like, wrong. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> Recurring every five years. All right. We've seen some bizarre homeopathic remedies throughout history, mm-hmm. from the curing powers of arsenic and radiation water yep. to snake oil and starvation therapy. Mm-hmm. And in the 1880s, a new and horrifying offering joined their ranks or official surgery. And from context clues, it's against women's. It's against all peoples. Oh, no. We'll get into it. Or official surgery was based on the principles that all chronic and previously quote-unquote incurable diseases could be cured by surgeries performed on the various orifices of the body. No. Specifically the mouth, nose, and others below the belt, shall we say. <sighs> this new quack science was developed by a man named Edwin Hartley Pratt. Edwin was born on November 6, 1849, in Towanda, Pennsylvania, to parents Leonard and Betsy Belding Pratt. His father, what I'm sure will shock you, was a homeopathic physician. Hmm. The apple fell directly from the tree. <laughs> hmm It was like, like tree I'm ground. Gonna, I'm going to grow right here. Yep. Homeopathy was introduced in the United States around 1825, brought to America thanks to German and Dutch physicians, with the American Institute of Homeopathy, or the AIH, being founded in 1844. Mm. The Pratt family moved to Illinois in 1852, when Edwin was just three, and when he was older, he attended school in Rock Creek Township. Sounds fun. (laughs) It's just a creek full of rocks. (laughs) With a town around it. The kids just, like, throw rocks at each other. (laughs) Yep. Go play in the creek. What? But there's rocks. Uh, there's so Timothy. many rocks. Timothy. Uh. <laughs> Good. In 1864, at the age of 15, he attended the Mount Carroll Seminary, which was later renamed Shimmer College. He only spent a year there before he enrolled in Wheaton College, a private oh. evangelical college in Wheaton, Illinois. Yeah. Wheaton College was very anti-Mason in the mid-1860s. I don't know, you know why. A pretty regular thing to be against, I suppose. Who wasn't in the 1860s? Right. Am I right? Like the anti-chartreuse movement of 1785. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it even forbade its students from joining secret societies. God doesn't like secrets. He doesn't. He likes to know all your secrets. The same year that he enrolled, Edwin's father, Leonard, joined the Independent Order of Good Templars, or Templars. Uh-oh. Wanting to be like his daddy, Edwin joined as well, and was given the option to either leave the order or be expelled from Wheaton. Edwin chose the latter and was expelled. Yeah, because you want to hang out with his cool friends, in mm-hmm. his cool club. With his cool dad. Yeah. He's like, I don't even need your school. I got friends. I got got friends. 
in secret places. We got capes and candles. I don't need you. The following year in 1866, Edwin joined the University of Chicago in the preparatory department, where he completed his prep and baccalaureate courses before graduating in 1871 at the age of 22. Yeah, like typical college now. Mm-hmm. So he would have been way behind the curve then. Yep. Originally, Edwin aspired to practice law, but his father encouraged him to take up medicine instead and follow in his footsteps. Yeah, because those are the same. Mm-hmm. Yep. So two years after he graduated from the University of Chicago, he received his M.D. from Hanneman Medical College in Chicago in 1873. I feel like I should mention that his father taught there as well, and the school focused on homeopathic medicine. Following his graduation as valedictorian, Edwin was invited to join the faculty as an adjunct professor. Edwin instead furthered his education at the Jefferson Medical College and Keene School of Anatomy in Philadelphia. All right. I wonder how well he would fare without... His daddy's influence. Or maybe his dad did have influence there, too. Maybe. Papa! The Hanneman Medical College was founded as the Homeopathic Medical College of Pennsylvania in 1848 by three doctors, Jacob Jeans, Constantine Herring, and Walter Williamson. Within the span of almost 20 years, the faculty became divided on the practice of homeopathy, with some wanting a more scientific approach to medicine and the treatment of patients. I like I like that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was at this time that the faculty split, and the Hanneman Medical College was chartered just a few years later in 1869, renamed for the German man responsible for the development of homeopathy as an alternative medical practice, Samuel Hanneman. Mm-hmm. Its first graduating class only studied for four months before receiving their certifications. Red flag number 25. Mm-hmm. <laughs> four months. Wow. Most people can't develop a habit in four months. Yep. Great. Yep. Edwin spent the first 10 years of his career as a homeopathic physician working general practice before switching to surgery at the Cook County Hospital. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm just going to pivot. Oh, no. Hard pivot. In 1874, at the age of 25, he became a full-time professor of anatomy at Hanneman Medical College before resigning in 1883 at the age of 34 to become the chair of surgery, where he oversaw the Chicago Homeopathic College Clinic. I don't like any of this. It it feels like, I can practice medicine. He's like, just kidding. Those who can't teach. (laughs) He's, He's the one person that made that phrase exist. Yep. (laughs) He's like, I got this. And then he couldn't teach, so then he just sat there Mm -hmm. (laughs) and had opinions. Yep. Great. During his tenure at Hahnemann, Hahnemann? I've been saying it different ways this whole time, I'm sorry. Hahnemann. Edwin married Isidore Bailey in 1877, when Edwin was 28 and Isidore was 18. The couple had two children together. Isabel Pratt on December 14th, 1879, and Edwin Bailey Pratt in 1883. Neither survived childhood, living Mm. one and eight years, respectively. Oh, that's too bad. 
Edwin, it should be noted, was described as a six-foot-tall, 250-pound bear of a man who sported an impressive beard and a bald head. That tracks with most large men. Mm-hmm. No top hair, lots of face hair. Yep. Mm-hmm. And as you can probably imagine, he was a very persuasive salesman and orator. What? No. His whole background does not lead to that at all. Mm-mm. One could never infer. In 1886, at the age of 37, Edwin came up with the idea of orificial surgery. In a presentation he gave years later in 1891, he stated the following about its inception. Quote, The orificial idea was born five years ago last February in the senior lecture room of the Chicago Homeopathic Medical College in the presence of the students. The effect of the presentation of the thought was so energetic that in the three weeks of the term which yet remained, 16 of the class presented themselves for the application of orificial methods to their conditions. Some suffered from headaches, some from dyspepsia, some from insomnia, some from spermatoria, some from constipation, and some from general malnutrition. The success of the work upon these test cases was such as to win forever the goodwill of the undergraduates. The surgical clinic of the college was run for an entire year as far as possible upon the orificial principles. The experience here acquired but confirmed, in every particular, the foundation principles of the philosophy. End quote. I don't like where this is going. Edwin would go on to make a report about orificial surgery to a medical society at the Saratoga meeting of the American Institute of Homeopathy that same year, before making similar reports to state societies in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, as well as many others. Of course. The National Association of Orificial Surgeons would be formed shortly after in 1888, with it expanding to 94 members by 1890, and its numbers would swell to almost 300 over the years. So they just were like, hey, this is cool, and then they were... They read about it for three weeks, and then they became surgeons? Mm-hmm. Gross. Mm-hmm. In 1889, at the age of 40, Edwin established the Lincoln Park Sanitarium, incorporating it the following year. The five-story structure was located at the intersection of Lakeview and Deming, near Chicago's Lincoln Park area. Not the singer, a different kind of Lincoln Park. Right. In 1891, Edwin gave a presentation at the fourth quinquennial session of the International Homeopathic Congress. During his presentation, he stated, in part, the following about orificial philosophy and surgery. Now the quinquennial makes sense because their philosophies change every five years. Yes, yes. Yep. It feels new because we're <laughs> fickle. And this isn't real. <laughs> yep. Great. Quote, when the peristaltic actions of the body are enfeebled, orificial surgery can strengthen them. When functional activities are sluggish, orificial surgery can revive them. When the whole body or any of its parts passes into a sleep so lethargic as to refuse response to ordinary measures, the penetrating voice of orificial surgery can awaken it. The orificial philosophy has mild measures for mild cases and extreme measures for extreme cases. But in all cases, 
the tendency of orificial work is to re-establish a wholesome activity in the entire capillary circulation of the body, thus relieving all congestions and inaugurating nutritive changes. I just imagine them stabbing little holes in these people until they feel better. <laughs> like the capillaries, like, we'll fix your capillaries. Stab, stab, stab. You're better now. This is my favorite part. Hippocrates warned doctors against the employment of measures which involved sudden changes in the circulation of the body. Mm. Had he lived to witness the effect of orificial methods, he would have been terrified at the power of the work and dumbfounded at its curative action. End quote. And he would have laughed his ass off after this <laughs> demonstration. <laughs> and he knew less than you did. Great. Perfect. Edwin also developed his own surgical instruments and even spoke at the Columbia World's Fair in 1893, lauding how orificial surgery was the answer when traditional medicine had failed. Mm. You know, try all the other options first. You know, the sound, reasonable ones. When you're desperate and hopeless, come to me. Poke some holes and we'll, we'll, get, you, we'll get you figured out. Who needs to worry about constipation when other horrific things are happening to your body instead? Truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> Edwin closed the Lincoln Park location in 1895 in order to open the Pratt Sanatorium in a two-story building on West Diversey Avenue in Chicago. I'm surprised he didn't call it the Hippocrates Pratt Sanatorium. <laughs> His little buddy. You know, Hippocrates. Yeah. When asked why he closed his first location, he stated that it was for financial reasons following the Panic of 1893, which was a financial depression that lasted until 1897. Tale as old as time. Mm -hmm. At some point, Edwin and Isidore must have gotten a divorce, as he remarried a woman named Charlotte Ava Lottie Kelly in 1900. In some places, it said that he remarried after Isidore died, but she didn't pass away until August 30th, 1925, at the age of 65. Yeah. So, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe they faked her death so that he could remarry. Maybe. She was like, you're weird. Pretend I'm dead. Peace out. And then she scurried away. <laughs> he also closed his Pratt Sanatorium in 1901. That was a quick turnaround. In 1902, Edwin became president of the Illinois Homeopathic Association. A letter was God, this is so funny. A letter was submitted to the family doctor column of the October 25th, 1893 edition of the Kansas Farmer and answered by Henry W. Roby, MD, an operating surgeon from Topeka, Kansas. Included are the original letter and parts of his response to it. Quote, "A letter before us says, I recently read in a newsletter from Chicago some account of a Congress of Orificial Surgery, and as the article did not make the matter clear to my mind, I write to ask the family doctor for information. What is orificial surgery, and how does it differ from other or general surgery, and what are its advantages? He responds, Orificial surgery is but a branch or department of surgery in general. The chief promoter and originator of the specialty is Dr. Pratt of Chicago, who has achieved a wide and enviable reputation as an orificial specialist. Interesting. He's writing this about himself. 
No, this is another doctor writing this. Oh, okay. So I was like, he's talking in the third person. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Totally sane. Congestion, slow, stagnant circulation of the blood, torpid, sluggish conditions of the excretory functions, especially of the bowel, sets up through the great sympathetic nerve a profound disorder of all the vital activities of the body. Mm. At start... A little irritation in the rectum from a fragment or spicula of bone, eggshell, oyster shell, or other hard, indigestible substance will cause contraction of the circular muscles that close the bowel against leakage, and it closes so tight that the blood cannot circulate freely through the hemorrhoidal veins. So he's just assuming people are eating bones and eggshells? And, like clam shells apparently yeah. so all of his patients have pica got it <laughs> yep cool now it is all this that orificial surgery clears up mm. it starts by finding the cause of all this offending then it removes the cause then when the cause of all the trouble is removed by dilating and taking the clutch and grip out of irritable sphincters the normal circulation through all parts of the body begins again and every contraction of the heart then sends the red current of life through unobstructed channels clear to the surface and extremities of the body, end quote. So they just make your butt loose? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Everybody butt loose. <laughs> loose poops. Loose buttholes cure everything. Wow. <sighs> Science! <laughs> <laughs> Suck on that, Hippocrates. The, <laughs> it was, the answer was your butthole. <laughs> Who knew? Edwin Who knew? Pratt did. I did. <laughs> the March 26, 1898 edition of the Los Angeles Times published an article about orificial surgery that reads in part as follows. Quote, a comparatively new and successful treatment for disease. Chronic affections of all kinds succumb to its wonderful influence almost instantaneously. Thousands of cases permanently cured by this treatment after all other remedies had failed. Mm. Brief description of its marvelous effects upon the diseased human system. It is the claim of orificial surgery, which claim has been demonstrated thousands of times by actual results, that a perfect circulation may be obtained by this method of treatment. The philosophy of orificial surgery relates to all the orifices of the human body and comprehends all the pathological conditions which may be taken on by these orifices. The most important orifices of the human body are the rectum, uterus, Mm. and urethra. These orifices are, are all guarded by circular and muscular fibers called sphincters, which are more or less highly endowed with sensitiveness by the sympathetic nerve. Mm-hmm. It is a pathological fact which cannot be denied and which is generally understood by the medical profession, that the irritation of an organ invariably starts at its mouth and is communicated from thence to the body of the organ and to remote parts of the human body by means of the sympathetic nerve. Thus, an irritation in the rectum will produce various troubles all along the alimentary canal, such Mm. as dyspepsia, heartburn, coated tongue, chronic diarrhea, chronic constipation, and these, in the course of time, will be followed by headaches, neuralgia, 
insomnia, lumbago, liver and kidney troubles, and various other chronic diseases. Hmm. No condition is so potent in producing these health-destroying effects as constricted sphincters. The smoothing of rough orifices and securing proper dilation of the sphincters guarding them immediately and permanently, so far as material things can be made permanent, improve capillary circulation in general, hence in particular. Work in the sexual system is not only ineffectual, but oftentimes actually harmful. If mm. rectal irritation be not first corrected, complete orificial work is essential to success. It must include all the orifices of the body and must be prosecuted at intervals until each and all of them are in a normal condition. End quote. Feeling anxious? Butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> Stressed? Butt plug. Sinus infection? Butt plug. In the July 1914 publication of the Journal of the American Association of Orificial Surgeons, an article was included titled, Page from the Early History of Orificial Surgery, that goes into more detail about the sexual nature of some of the surgeries performed. Mm. Quote, The first fragment of orificial wisdom that was forced upon the attention of the author, a.k.a. Edwin Pratt, mm -hmm. had to do with the hymen. The second was in connection with the uterus. The third concerned the male urethra. The fourth related to the foreskin of the male. The fifth contemplated the frenum. The sixth was an appreciation of the influence of rectal conditions, hmm. first upon the sexual system, and then upon the respiration and, through this, upon the entire body through the agency of increased capillary activity. The seventh was the realization of the importance of unhooding the clitoris. The eighth concerned the labia minora. Mm -hmm. The ninth took into account the size of the metus urinarius in the male. And the tenth and last concerned abdominal explorations. These last four points of interest, the clitoris and its hood, the labia minora, the male metus urinarius, and abdominal explorations, were afterthoughts or discoveries. The importance of the part they played in orificial healing was not recognized or appreciated until sometime after the establishment of the orificial philosophy as a completed whole. End quote. Uh, lots of exploration. Mm -hmm. hmm. The article noted several examples of procedures that were conducted, including one on a young married woman with chronic diarrhea, uh -huh. whose symptoms worsened after sex. Her hymen was surgically removed and, quote, the effects were instantaneous, end quote. How, are, you, are you sure it was the hymen after? I mean, like some women still have their hymens after sex, but it's a very minor, minor group. Did he I, get the one woman? I don't know. I don't know. That's horrific. What did he remove? <laughs> I don't know. What? This is my favorite thing ever. In the book, Seeking the Cure, A History of Medicine in America, Ira M. Rutko notes, quote, When this giant man with the thinning hair and Van Dyke beard went to work, no mouth, penis, rectum, or vagina was safe from a manipulation or scraping, end quote. Horrific. Mm-hmm. Horrific. How long yeah. did you go to medical school? Four months. <laughs> Four months. That's all I needed. 
Edwin seemed to delight in conducting surgeries on the genitals, prescribing circumcision as not only a preventative for masturbation and other unnatural behaviors, but he also stated that a good old circumcision prevented rape, stating that if rapists, quote, had received the proper orificial attention earlier in their lives, their criminal career would undoubtedly have been prevented, end quote. So, so if you're not circumcised, you're going to be a rapist. That's kind of the inference. Yep. Mm. Yep. What a horrible link. Both yep. ways. Yep. Like, truly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And let's not forget the ladies. Oh, yeah. The cure for female masturbation was, you guessed it, the removal of the clitoral hood, and hysterectomies were the cure-all for female insanity. Yeah, we all know that that definitely isn't, that's not, that's not the, the route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need the hormones mm-hmm. that that creates. Over the four decades that orificial philosophy was in vogue, tens of thousands of surgeries were performed in states like California, Oregon, Arizona, Utah, and throughout the Midwest. I forgot to mention a practice he referred to as tissue reading, where he believed that, much like in the practice of phrenology, you could learn much about a person by examining their tissue. Mm -hmm. For example, a pale mouth might suggest that you are a coward, and the hunger and starvation you allow yourself presents in anemia in your organs. Mm. (laughs) Malnourished? Eat food, dummy. Surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, a very tight orifice could be a sign of undue muscular tension. Hmm. You seem stressed. And almost in a fight-or-flight state of being. Is it because I have sharp objects near your butthole? Maybe. (sighs) Maybe. Let's dilate that rectum, shall we? Let's fix that. Edwin passed away after a long illness on March 6, 1930, in Galva, Illinois, at the age of 81. Did they consider stretching out his butthole and saving him? (laughs) (laughs) How many cuts did he try (laughs) to save save him from a long illness? How many circumcisions did he give himself? He just had the longest, just the largest circumcision ever. Thankfully, his quack medical ideas didn't survive past his death. In fact, the Journal of Orificial Surgery closed altogether in 1901. The American Association of Orificial Surgeons stopped meeting soon after in the 1910s, and they shuttered their doors for good in 1925. Good. Edwin's wife, Charlotte, would pass away on March 3, 1951, at the age of 76 in Albuquerque, New Mexico, She was later buried next to her husband at the Graceland Cemetery in Chicago. Today, Edwin and his methods are best remembered as female mutilation and a fascination with circumcision in regards to the prevention of masturbation. Too bad he didn't just prescribe graham crackers to his patients. I was just going to say, he didn't make cornflakes. He should have just eaten cornflakes. And I thought it was interesting because at one point during my research, I did say, I did see that Kellogg was very on board with his methods to, you know, prevent Mm. frequent masturbation. Yeah. Yeah, cut up his butthole internally, and then I'll do that with the food I'm making. (laughs) And together, together. We will stop masturbation altogether. We will stop masturbation because people are too worried about the horrific diarrhea. (laughs) (laughs) I just keep leaking everywhere. I can't. 
So yeah, orificial surgery fixed everything. Yeah, sure did. I didn't put it in here, but it apparently cured consumption. Mm. Was one of the things that it cured consumption yeah. dysentery. Surprised they shuttered their doors if they were a cure for consumption and dysentery. Mm-hmm. But you know, if Hippocrates only knew, if only he knew. Do no harm unless it's in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> then you may cut away, then good your sir. Your Hippocratic oath is out the window, <laughs> right in that back door. <laughs> Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Facebook and Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. On TikTok, of course you are. Follow us at yieldcrimepodcast. California has the largest population in the United States and the site of some of the most famous true crime cases in history. But there's more than meets the eye to the crime in California. Join Sean, Jessica, and Charles on the California True Crime Podcast as they cover crime both infamous and overlooked from around our state while looking at the deeper history that goes beyond beaches and movie stars. This week's podcast plug is the California True Crime Podcast. California True Crime is a podcast about crimes that occur in the state of California. And it's three hosts, Sean, Charles, and Jessica, research and write each episode, choosing cases that interest them, but also challenge their belief systems. They focus on the details of the crime, as well as the history, laws, policies, and societal issues surrounding each case. Nice. The three of them love history and exploring the areas of California. In a state as big as California, there is so much interesting information to explore and share. And we will have a link to their show in the show notes. Nice. And this week's listener question comes from the Yield Crime Out of Context Twitter account. They want to know, what was a favorite treat as a child that you can no longer get? Can't get. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking of all the weird 90s candies. Honestly, original surge. Because that was... That was meth for children. <laughs> that was it really speed. was. That was speed for children. And I never yeah. felt more alive than when we would go to the Wendy's and get Surge with our chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggies and Surge. Chicken nuggies and Surge. And a baked potato. That's all you needed. I think we brought it back very briefly, but I really enjoyed Ecto Cooler. Yeah. Which was, that for was people that don't too. know, it was... A high C that I think it was orange flavored, but it was green like mm-hmm. Slimer from Ghostbusters. Yep. And so. like all the colored ketchups, like the purple ketchup mm-hmm. and stuff. And My parents green. refused to buy those. Just reminds me of the Blue's Blue's ice cream. Mm-hmm. I ate so much of this Wells Blue Bunny Blue's Clues ice cream that, as you can imagine, was colored blue mm-hmm. that... It turned my rectal emissions green, and I thought I was dying. Yeah. And they were like, no, you just have eaten way too much blue food dye. I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. It was a good one, though. Like, the Blue's Clues little paws were like sugar cookies. They were like little blue sugar cookies. Mm -hmm. 
I miss that too. They don't make that anymore. I miss that from my childhood. It was worth the green poop. It tasted so good. (laughs) On the note of blue poop or green poop, what's something good you'd like to share? (laughs) (sighs) Something good. I'm trying to think. My garden is doing really well. I'll say that. I have a little citronella plant that has flowered. Mm. It has like really pretty little like pink and white flowers. And my tomato plant is killing it. And I've got my golden grasshopper. He's still there. Nice. Guarding. My other tomato plant with just the one singular tomato. My partner was making fun of me because he was like, it's probably dead already. Just because the the leaves are like a purple color. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what kind of tomato it is, but it makes the leaves look dead. And the tomato was white for a really long time. So he was like, oh, it's dead. It's like this perfect orange color right now. And it's so Mm -hmm. close to being ripe. I'm excited to eat it because I forgot what kind of tomato it was. So I don't know what it's going to taste like. But yeah, I'm just happy that despite all of like the weird freak weather we've had, that they've all survived and thrived. That's true. It's been crazy. Like just dumps of rain. Like, it'll be fine and sunny and everything's great. And then all of a sudden it's like, clouds, rain, sideways rain, mm-hmm. wind, so much wind. And then, bye. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, like leaves. It's like gone. Yeah. Then the and you're sitting there like, what just happened? Right. Like, where did my lawn chair go? <laughs> it was like 10 minutes. Yeah. That's my, my thing. What's, what about you? I recently got back from a work trip in D.C. So Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. and even though I got heat exhaustion while I was there. That's the worst. Which was really bad, and I'm still not quite 100% yet. I got to see the Lincoln Memorial, which was really cool. Nice. We went on a bus tour around the Capitol, so that was really neat, and went on a boat cruise, which was also very fun. I learned a lot of fun things. I met some cool people. And got to see Lincoln. So nice. That's my something good. That's awesome. If you're interested in ad free content, consider supporting us with a one time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad free content, not to mention some bonus material, become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. Shall we? We shall. If you'd like to support the show, a great way to do so is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, Podcast Addict, Audible, or wherever you can leave a rating and review. Uh, Share it with the show. We'll read it at the end of our episode, and we appreciate your support. Got something you want to say? Shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas, see any gifts you send our way, Or if you just want to say hello, we're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly, if you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby, or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes or over on our link tree to get started today. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time.
with another tale. Isolde's Crime. <laughs>